The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, certified financial planner, and joining me on today's show is John Sestina. John, how are you today? I'm good. I'm waiting for some cold weather, some snow, and what? a little bit of winter. You... <laughs> You're crazy. Well, I was just in Florida, <laughs> so I'm looking for the contrast. <laughs> I'll never forget we went to Florida. It was two years ago in, at the end of January, and I said to myself, January of 2020, I said, oh, we'll get back February 1st. It'll be quick. It's four weeks of winter. We can get through this. And little did I realize a pandemic was yeah. on the way. But uh, I did know it was on the way, but I didn't realize the impact two years later. But nonetheless, I ate my words because that February was uh, rather cold, and it was the – uh, prelude to a very long stretch of time. Well, you know what was most remarkable to me was this place was so crowded. I've never seen it this crowded before. Oh, really? It was like New York City. Okay. The traffic was unbearable, and every restaurant was full. Of course, we did not have to wear masks, and mm-hmm. we could go and on. That was all wonderful, but it was truly strange how busy everything was i guess that's a good thing right from a business perspective yeah it's good for the that but uh i don't want to see it get you, overrun you, you don't like people you'd rather no, have got, it all I, to yeah i have to go down there and hide <laughs> now they're going to mess up my hiding space yeah yeah it's long gone mm-hmm. but well welcome back to uh uh wintry ohio <laughs> so but i i today's show we're going to talk about uh wealth building wealth building net worth uh but i do want to uh uh Mention a very special birthday to my dad, who oh, turned yeah. 80, uh, Big 80, and you're creeping up on the Big 80 in a few weeks, too, right? Uh, when is so, March 17th? 1942, yep, right? 1942. So, so. It's a good year. Two great men were born. So I'm going to tie in a couple things my dad always told me as a kid in today's show and how it relates to a financial plan. So you can certainly build on that as well. Fantastic. So, uh, but current that is a great guy. Thank you. you. Yes, I agree 100%. So happy birthday, Dad, and uh, many more. He keeps himself busy as he keeps his purpose. He has his cows, has his farm. Yeah, there's no bull uh, about your dad. No. no. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop right there with the puns. That's because he's raising cows, cows, right? Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> But uh, happy birthday, Dad. And uh, we'll talk about, a little bit about the things you've always you told me as a kid and still tell today. You mentioned it to your grandkids as well. So uh, current events, John. Today and yesterday, as we're recording the show, not good things happening with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, initial thoughts on people with financial plan and just the geopolitical conflict. So there's been some activity out there? Yeah. Okay. Come on, you know. I know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Putin riveted up his war machine and headed into the Ukraine. Yep. And uh, what's interesting to me is I know some Ukrainian people, and they're just most wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're also fearsome fighters. Okay. So I'm sure Putin knows that because the last time he fought him, 
they did some damage that he wasn't happy about. Mm -hmm. You may know that when uh, they fought in what was it, 2014 or something like that right. before, he would they sustained many injuries that they did not want to tell back home the okay. Russians, and so they they would call the they would tell the people whose son had died, father died, whatever. You're going to get your insurance, but you can't tell anyone who was killed in the war. They were suffering so, so like many casualties. Okay. So and now hopefully Ukraine has a few more weapons because we sent them more than sleeping bags this time, mm -hmm. and uh, they were able to. They have some things to be able to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's it's war is never good. Never uh, good. Military conflicts never good. And what we saw in the investment markets, obviously, first thing in the morning, a negativity uh, in the, the marketplace. Uh, how does one does one worry about these things as a within your financial plan? Well, the the good thing about having a financial plan is you can be steady as she goes. There have been several studies and articles and so forth that point to the fact. You should not be motivated by political events or any other world events in your portfolio because uh, you have a plan, and your plan is designed to withstand ups and downs and good and bad of all times. Now, you pay attention, of course, because things may move a little bit. You have to adjust your, uh, your, your situation. But the worst thing you can do is start panicking and start to sell everything because the market's down a 1,000 points. And you think, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my shirt. Wrong. Right, right. That's that. And that's the correct approach. And a couple, just some tidbits. As we're recording the show Thursday, the invasion started last night. Markets were down this morning, and already the Nasdaq and the S and P 500, as we began to record, were in positive uh, territory. That's amazing, right? Within 12 hours, here we are. Uh, things are feeling better from an economic standpoint. The U.S. issued some major sanctions, uh, financial sanctions against Russia. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. My concern is some kind of cyber war going on. We've been fighting cyber wars for the last few years, but does that start up now as a counter to our to the sanctions that are being put against Russia? Well, I'm sure there are going to be great cyber efforts against us. Right. They've had some pretty good luck mm -hmm. when they've done that, and our corporations and government don't often – uh, have the full capacity of protection, so they need do they, you need to do that. And on your computer at home, you need to be sure you have protection as well. No doubt about it. You bet. Yeah, and and again, passwords. We talk about security of money. Uh, my my <clears throat> approach is, and I I try to uh, tell people about it is take a proactive approach of knowing when your credit cards are charged, when your bank account is withdrawn from. Get alerts. Get yep. alerts on your phone as a text message and. Uh, the examples I use is when I hand my credit card to a server at a restaurant, I get the charge on my phone before the yeah. card is coming back in the envelope to sign the paper. I do, too. That's right? so great. It, it's a great feature. So just be aware. I think taking the offense on your personal bank accounts versus trying to play defense is a is a good approach. Yeah, the um, best part for me is they say Stephen Lucan. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get those text messages, John. What's going on here? So uh, – yeah, and then going back to the, the conflicts, right, I, I've been reading a lot of articles throughout the day, and I received one, and, and Vanguard Funds did a really good job of putting one together about they chose some political, geopolitical conflicts and sell-offs and how he, they explain how they're short-lived. And it goes back to the Cuban Missile Crisis. When the Cuban Missile Crisis was in its infancy, 
a negative 5% was the immediate uh, uh, negativity in the day, the sell-off. And six months later, it was positive 21%. Right. Right. So the rebound. Um, some There was some longevity that the President Nixon, Nixon's impeachment proceedings had a prolonged negativity towards the market. Iranian hostage crisis was subtle. Uh, but some other ones I remember even, they, they, elimin- they didn't include September 11th. Right. That had a, a long, a longer effect, but I think that was had more to do with the Y2K after effect. Um, but it, I just think it's interesting, and people should not react severely to what is going on in the world when they're, with their portfolio. Right. Uh, why, uh, 2001, uh, that was when I put on all, all over my website, buy now, buy now. Right, right. Support the country now. Yeah. Let them know you're, you're, we are still here and we're still strong and we still believe. And that's kind of what I think about with this war and other circumstances. The market, after all, is supposed to be involved and a predictor of what's coming. So I would guess they knew this was going to happen with uh, Putin. And so that's partly why it rebounded the way it did, Steve, right. I think. No, you're right, because even the last week or so, it's been negative mm-hmm. and trickling, bleeding, slow, slow bleed. And then right. today, after everything played out, it sort of re- readjusted, and, and here we are in positive territory. And again, the market, as you said, is a forward-thinking environment. Uh, it thinks forward as to versus reacting, reacting to what is happening in the world. Well, we're coming up on a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation, go into inflation, energy, and uh, building wealth. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. Uh, This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is John Sestina. First segment, we talked about the conflict with Russia and Ukraine, how it affects your financial plan. Uh, John, one of the things that is affecting everyone's financial plan in the last year and a half, two years is inflation. No kidding. And it's not going anywhere. <clears throat> no, we've been talk- we were talking about that, trying to alert people about that for months. Right. When uh, when all this started to erode. I hate to say we were right. Yeah. Because I'm, it's not a good thing. Not a good. No, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, inflation before this was what one and a half percent, three percent, two percent at best, right? Uh, very steady and relatively calm. Yep. And I remember over the years, uh, using an inflationary average, we've been using around four percent. Yep. To build a, a financial plan, and people questioned you, questioned us, and says it's too high, right? It should be two percent. No, I said too low. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we said too low, but people were questioning <laughs> us, saying it was too high. 4% was too high, and here we are, right? If you look at an average over the, the last 50 years, right. 4% is the average because it includes the 80s, the early 80s. Can we – where do interest rates go from here? Can we see a mortgage rate of 6 7 8%? Is that possible? Oh, that's too low. Okay. I mean, again, <clears throat> I told you when this started, I said we're reliving the 70s. Right. When I was uh, going through that, I tried to get a mortgage, told you that story, Mm -hmm. and I went to the bank to get my first house and my first mortgage, and it was a lovely little place in German Village, and we sat at the closing table, and there was a crowd who gathered around it because they wanted to see who received this terrific finance rate of 13.5%. Right. 
on a home mortgage. Yeah. Can you believe that? It's amazing. And and <clears throat> you know, again, I'm not we don't know what the the valuation of the property at that point in time versus the valuation of the properties today. You know, 13% of 100,000 is a lot different than 13% of a half a million dollars. Right, and all the houses have been going up in value. And it's value, been going so. up. And mm-hmm. that inflation's hitting the housing market. And, and that's too many dollars chasing too few goods. And we right. don't have enough housing. So that's where we're seeing all the money being directed towards. And you're seeing the inflationary environment in the housing market. It's dangerous. I think this this is going to be a major strain on American society for years to come is the housing market and the houses that people have bought. I think so because they, they people always have an edge to thinking, you know, real estate's the best thing in the world. It never goes down. It's always good. They aren't making it anymore, all those little clauses they say, and that's not true. I mean, it, real estate does go down. It is impacted, and one of the main places here that you're mentioning is the interest rate. If you go out and finance the property, and remember, investment property, the rates are always higher than your local pro- your home property. So when people start getting hit with that for their businesses, and how many people do you know that while we've had this wonderful little honeymoon here, have gone out and started flipping houses and oh, sure. remodeling and right. doing all this stuff? You know, some people quit their jobs and started to do that because it was just, you know. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. Guaranteed win. Can't and, lose. And we, we, it's so short-lived, too. We just went through this 15 years ago, right? No kidding, same, right. same cycle, and here we are doing it again. And my, my concern, what I'm hearing, and I feel for the younger generations, people in their late 20s, early 30s, going buying a house now because if, if you don't do it now, you're not going to be able to do it later. Very, very troubling words when I hear that because you're you're buying something you can't afford today. You're going to be a victim when it all goes to hell, right? You're right. going to become. You're going to be a victim. You're going to be. You're going to say, "I shouldn't have done that." And my, my that's my greatest concern is that people are are jumping in, out of feeling out of they're going to miss the their chance. True. Versus being able to afford the right place. Well, and it's if you compare it to the uh, older generation, they bought houses and they've owned them for a while, and so they're going to benefit from refinancing or whatever they want to do now because of the interest rate advantages and because their home has inflated. So that's an advantage. But the young people coming in, they'll never have the same opportunity. Right. So they're going to be behind the eight ball for a long time. What, what would you say if someone said, well, um, mom and dad are going to give us a couple hundred thousand dollars to get us in that home. We can't afford it. Is that a, a good thing? No. Why is that? Mom and dad should not be giving you that much money, especially for, for anything. You know, when you're an adult – we do still have adults in this country, right? Yeah. That means you do stuff on your own. Pay your own bills, live your own life, et cetera, et cetera. And make so your own mistakes. Make your own mistakes, <laughs> and that's where you learn the most. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be paying everything yourself. Now, on occasion, if there's a necessity for help, parents Understood. obviously will help. Right. But but to, to just sort of put the Band-Aid on, well, they can't <laughs> afford the house, let's, let's help them out. Um, that that again is because if you're doing that, that means they can't afford the house to begin with. Amen. And that's that's the issue, not not the house. And um, yeah, sure, I would love to live in Manhattan. It's a great place, right? <laughs> For some people, John, I'm one of them. But you would live in Manhattan. Af- can't afford it. No, Steven. I wouldn't because I can't afford it, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right? So that's my point. Is yeah, there are places in the world I would love to live. But I know enough to say, no, I can't afford to do that. I'll vacation there. I'll go travel there when I can. 
Um, and I guess that's the point of the story uh, that we're talking about here is buy things you can't afford. Don't, right. don't squeeze a, a square peg in a round hole. And if um, you start using your relatives for money, the sad thing is, while their hearts are good, everyone's heart is good in the beginning, and then now you own the house and you lose your job, so all of a sudden you can't make the payments, mm-hmm. and so you partner, your, your parents are going to be willing to you know, forgive a month or two or if you become divorced, now what do you do? You own a house and you and your spouse. Yeah. There's so many complications that occur. So you shouldn't put your parents to that task. Right. And what we could experience here is the stagflation where yes. if the economy does slow down, which there's a good chance it does, and then we see steady inflation, high inflationary numbers, we'll see high interest rates, which means high mortgage rates. If you do have to sell your house, you're going to be in trouble. Because then you're forced out to sell in a down market. Then you're refinancing a new house at a higher interest rate. You're losing money. So I guess the the other point of the story is if and when you buy your house, plan to be there a while. Right. You know, at minimum, I say 10 years. Yeah, I agree with you. Too many people are buying these houses with a short-term goal in mind. Right. You know, this is our starter home. What with the starter home? <laughs> right, buy a right. home you're going to live in. Now, right. it's true that... You may outgrow that home or children yeah. come or whatever, and you change your mind and you get a second home. But how many homes are you supposed to own? Right. And we, we've, I guess the average is like seven in your lifetime, which is insane. That's it is what insane. They, that's, what, that's what we're hearing as a standard number. I've only um, owned five, so. Right. Right. <laughs> and, right. And, and the last one has been, what, 25, 30 years? Yeah, it's about 30 years. Right. And, and before that, a uh, number of years as well. So early on after college, I get it, right? But then later in life, hopefully it slows down. But this, this uh, uh, the events we're seeing today and with interest rates going up, uh, we're going to see impacts in the housing market just because of mortgage rates going up. Right. So the, all that being said, uh, inflation in other areas, energy, we're, we're with Russia and Ukraine, right? We're seeing energy prices spike, uh, natural gas due to the pipelines now being frozen. So we're going to see other areas. Someone told me yesterday, uh, Northern California, gasoline, $5.20 a gallon. Yep, that's what it is. Here it comes, right? And, yes. And, you know, okay, that's also a deflationary unit but right now it's not it's inflating <clears throat> and i don't want to be squeezed at the pump which is where we're going with this one so and, and that affects everything i mean the trucks deliver everything these days and so if you're buying shoestrings or cheese or steak your prices are going through the roof yep bobby tells me every week when she goes shopping you won't believe what this cost this week this week yep yep and it goes up sometimes 50 percent yeah. From the week before. Yeah. Chicken was a big one now recently, too. So, well, we're coming up on a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with financial planning and building wealth and net worth. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, certified financial planner. And joining me on today's show is John Sestina. Uh, first segments, we talked about current events, whether it's inflation, conflict with Russia and Ukraine, energy prices. Uh, it's it's happening. Uh, John, you mentioned it's, it's the late 70s, early 80s, all over again. We're yep. going through that phase of similarities. Uh, but I want to rewind back to your creation of managing to be wealthy and that process, that building wealth, and why it's important, and how do you approach it. So with that being said, uh, 
what is the key to success with managing to be wealthy? Well, I need a little drum roll, okay. background music. You know, <laughs> we'll leave so, that to Mike. Not at all. <laughs> well, it all began because I was teaching a course at OSU. Mm-hmm. It was uh, one of those uh, evening courses, non-credit courses. And uh, I kept explaining to people that, that you keep hearing one simple fact about building wealth, and that is spend less than you earn. So everyone's heard that. Every article I read as of today says the same thing. You want to build wealth. And I have a friend, he's now deceased, unfortunately, who is a billionaire, multi-billionaire, and he owned the Orlando Magic. And when Shaq came out, he went to this guy and said, give me some financial advice. And his advice was, spend less than you earn. So with that background, I said, all right, let's look at it. And what do you earn? Well, I call that the income cycle. And what happens is you have a certain amount of income that comes to you through your paycheck or your job or your business or whatever you're doing. And so you have to figure out what that is. And remember, look at the gross number, okay? Because that's the big difference. Otherwise, you cheat yourself out of some stuff. Right. So whatever that, here's the big deal. You should be underlining this, highlighting it, capitalizing it, because here's the most important thing to know about that, that income number. Are you ready? Give it. Whatever it is, it is. It's not going to be any more. It's not going to be any less. It is what, what it, it is. is. And what people do, they live their lives thinking, well, I'm going to have more. I'm going to get a bonus. You know, the business is doing well. All kinds of things happen like that. But the fact is you have to come to realize what you earn is all that you have. So if you don't like that, then you have to look at the other side of the equation, and that's spending. And whatever you spend is eroding all the money you earn. So if you look at it, the first thing that you uh, have to spend money on is taxes. Taxes. So we were just mentioning that earlier. So you spend money on taxes, and there's all kinds of taxes. I used to have a page, I still have it somewhere, I'm sure, of all the taxes you pay. And we know about federal, we know about state, we know about excise, we know about sales, we know about city, we know about uh, property tax, we know about FICA tax. You start adding, it took a page and a half single-spaced for me to list all the various taxes all of us pay. So somewhere we slipped off the barrel when we started allowing government to slip all that stuff in there. But anyway, that's the first thing you spend money on. So you look at your income, you subtract what you pay in taxes. The next thing you do is you tend to want to live somewhere, and so people will buy a house or rent an apartment or do something of that nature. So whatever you're spending there, that's another erosion of your income. Then the next thing you do since you bought a house or a car and all the things you buy, then you have to insure those things because you don't want to lose them. You have a crinkle in your car. You have to have it fixed. So you buy insurance on all that stuff, another expense. And then you come along and you say, well, I have children to educate. And how much is that going to cost? So yes, best even before the children are on the site, you, be, you begin to figure how much money you're going to need to fund their college if that's your goal. And then the last thing is, if there's anything left over, that's your living money. That's what you get to live on. And I've done these where I start out with somebody making, you know, large numbers, six figures. And by the time we're done, we get down to you're you're living on $50,000 a year. Yeah. And that shocks them, but that's the truth. And so most people overspend because they look at their salary and think that's what they're earning. So that's the first thing about building wealth. You have to know how money flows. 
And isn't, we talk a lot about obstacles and part of the problems we have in the, with the obstacles is this, the economic society we've created of being able to leverage and borrow money, whether it's via mortgage, car payments, a car loan, credit cards, the opportunity to borrow money is more prevalent than it was 50 years ago. Amen. It sure is. And people borrow money for any, everything these days. They borrow money to go to dinner. Yeah. Which is insane. Yep. Buy, borrow money to buy clothes, uh, to buy a computer. The the rule, you know my rule, Stephen, when you go to buy something, you don't have the cash to pay for it. You cannot afford it. Yeah. So you save up in advance. And most people never do that. Right. But that's really the cheapest way to move on this stuff. Yeah, and, that, and that's I think that's where we have the problems and challenges in society. Even w- the major crisis is uh, the student loan crisis currently, right, is because people were going to the school they desired, not the right school at that moment in time, which which they could afford. Right. It was all based on uh, the eye test of, oh, this it looks good, right, the university. So – um, okay, great. So going back, the other thing too with managing to be wealthy, the way you described it, uh, I don't think you mentioned saving, did you? No, <laughs> because there's usually nothing left nothing, for savings. Right. But people would say, if there's anything left over, I'll save it. Yeah. And that goes into the investment. That's right next to my income circle. And so you invest that money. And what people do with their investments is they have a number in mind. So they'll think in terms, well, if ever I have $100,000, I'm doing it. okay. Right. So I can now go buy a new car and erode my 100000 down to seventy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they keep doing that so there's, their investment circle doesn't grow. So what you need to realize is as you invest money, you cannot touch it except for retirement. So when you retire, you're going to get money off of this. That That provides your lifetime income. Right. So you're don't gonna rely on Social Security. Don't rely on Social Security or anything else. You have to realize that sooner or later you're gonna lose your ability to produce income and when you do, you're gonna have to live on that investment pile. Right. And that's what we I opened the show saying it was my dad's eightieth birthday and when I was a kid and I was a server making money tips doing well i'd I say oh dad i made this much amount much on tips it's great and he just look at me and say it's not what you make <laughs> it's what it's you what keep you, and you say keep and he would say it's the, what you save right it's the same same thing same thing right put it in the bank invest it save it uh, accumulate it but don't squander it right. and i you know as a kid and even t- we all have our vices we all squander money to a degree but are you fulfilling the obligation of retirement is the first question yes. right and once right. you're doing that yes you can squander you can squander the uh, because you're fulfilling that obligation on the other end and that's the way i like to explain it is if your income is a image a seesaw or teeter-totter you know with the kids right they go back and forth the fulcrum is your income Mm. and the ideal scenario is you have a spending on one side saving on the other side and can you achieve that balance because as you said your income is what it is that's your fulcrum and then are you saving enough to meet the retirement goals on the one side, and are you spending to provide that lifestyle of choice? Because your income will drive your lifestyle. And you, can you achieve that balance? That's the key. Well, it is. And and I taught my daughter about the snowball. Right. So that's what you do there, all the extra. So when she was babysitting or whatever she did, she had to take at least 10% of it and save it. Mm-hmm. That's a great start, right? So just save, always save something. Um well, we got uh, 30 seconds here on, on coming up on the break. So 
again, build the wealth, understand your income, understand your expenses. We're going to continue uh, this discussion here, John, when we come back from the break. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and discussing on today's show with John Sestina, building wealth and building a financial plan. And we talked about the origin of managing to be wealthy, uh, the income cycle, and and maybe scraping up enough to save at the end. But that, again, John, it stems with uh, spending, right? If you spend exactly too much, right. you have your income. It is what it is. Very important. Uh, before we get into the spending side of question, how does one manage if they have they don't have a consistent income? where everyone who maybe is on a salary has a steady paycheck. But what about those who are contractors or maybe sales representatives that their income fluctuates? How do you manage that? Oh, that's even more important for them to be on a uh, cash flow worksheet, mm-hmm. not a budget because, you know, I don't think budgets work, but a cash flow worksheet because your income does go up and down. And so you should plot it. Even if you're getting 1099 income or irregular income, you begin to develop a pattern where you know what's coming or you can kind of fix it. It'll help you set financial goals. I don't mean financial planning, but I mean in your business. You want to make $20,000 this month. It'll help you set that goal because looking into your worksheet, you see you're going to need it or a part of it in a couple of months. So that's a very powerful thing. So if you have an irregular income, all the more important to do a cash flow worksheet. Okay, good. Um, now going back to the spending. So someone says, well, John, if, if, if I'm – building this uh, income cycle. I have my income, I have my taxes, I have my expenditures, and there's nothing left at the end. What do you do? Well, that's because you should have been saving before that. In other words, saving is another one of your expenses. So what most people do is they spend all their money. If there's anything left over, then they save it. Well, what's the problem with that? There's never anything left (laughs) over. So that's why you have to set it aside that's why you set goals, and that's part of what we do at Managing to be Wealthy is help you set your goals. Then you know that you need to set aside 1000 a month for your uh, new car you're going to buy in three years or uh, buy a new house in five years, whatever you're going to do, or retire in 30 years. Mm-hmm. You set those goals, and then you set aside that money. Mm-hmm. And that's a surprise to everyone yeah. because if you, if you buy a refrigerator, for example, you know that refrigerator is going to die in a few years. I mean, you can look that up. There's the calendars of this every year that come out, and you can see when they're going to die on you. So you need to save up for that. Next, Then when it comes due, you walk in and buy it for cash. Right. And that's a big savings. I think one of the more timely uh, expenditures that show up is hot water heaters. Right. It's almost like, what, eight or nine years, and boom, they're gone. Yeah. And, it ha- and it's on cue, right? So that's a good example of what you're, you're saying. You bet. Um you know, we we like to talk about obstacles because the obstacles to a good financial plan, it, it creates a uh, knee-jerk reaction to fixing a problem because this obstacle reared its ugly head and you weren't prepared. And the two of the biggest ones we talk about, we talked about inflation earlier on, right? Now we're seeing the that obstacle come, come to fruition here, uh, recent events. But the, I think in America in particular, ego is a major obstacle. Oh, we have problems. Yeah. I have problems, right? That's why I tricked myself to say, yeah, if I have money in my checking account, that spending account, I spend it. 
So I've learned to deplete it as much as possible right. so I don't spend it because I look at the balance when I get my charges and say, okay, I only have X number of dollars left. I can't do the things that I frivolously want to do. That's right. And I'm more cognizant. So you got to learn your own behavioral patterns. You do. And the other way to handle that is pay cash for everything you want mm-hmm. beyond your normal expenses. Yeah. And that'll help you uh, struggle through the spending habit. What are some other ego problems that we have? We talked about houses can't afford it, right? Right. That's a big one. Housing is a big obstacle. Housing, in my opinion, is the number one reason why most people don't have enough money when they retire. Now, there's all kinds of games today you can do with home equity, not home equity loans. uh, Reverse mortgage. Reverse mortgages and other things like that. But as we discussed earlier, not all homes are going to have value where you can do that in 20 years or 30 years. So a house, when you figure out the house, if you do it honestly, and I've had clients do this and report to me, and you figure out exactly how much money you put in your house, the lawnmower, the gas you have to buy for the lawnmower every every week, and the you know the paint repainting the garage, the landscaping, and landscaping, right. and the whatever the new chair you bought because you have the house that you didn't have for the apartment. There's a thousand things we can list here, and you add that all up. At the time you sell your house, you will see that you sold your house for exactly how much money you put in it. it it's, you're 100% correct. I've tracked it over the years, and you're 100% correct because it is the little things, that cost of ownership. The other thing, too, is you buy that bigger house. What does it create? It creates a habit to collect more junk. Yep. The more room you have, the more junk you have. You got it. Uh, when we went through our downsizing, it was a major uh, educational process to say, no, we don't have any room. We're not taking it. When you don't have any room, you don't collect the junk. And the less space you have, the, the lower the utilities and so forth. So uh, the house is a major issue. Uh, the other obstacle uh, we like to say is just lack of a plan. Oh, my, yes. Scary. Could you imagine waking up at age 65, 70 and not paying attention to what was happening the last 30, 40 years? And here you are. What do you do? I had a person walk in to see me, and he wanted me to help him. And uh, he sat there and told me his story and so on and so forth. I said, let me see your records. He had saved zero for his retirement. He was 65 years old. So I had to tell him, keep working, yeah, doing keep, what you're doing. Start Sorry. saving for yeah. his, whatever you can save. And so that's where you guys think I'm hard-nosed, but you got to be sometimes. Yeah, you sure do. And the, the lack of a plan, um, even even in uh, for the younger generations and younger people is where uh, you don't plan for the tragedies, the death and disability, right? And and you've got to ensure, we talk about life insurance. Life insurance is all the money to fund the goals that you haven't saved yet. Yep. You need to protect it. So you need the life insurance. Disability insurance, you're insuring that income you haven't earned that you need to earn to save for retirement. So it's sort of like exactly. one step after the other. But those two other obstacles it's heartbreaking when you hear the the stories of families who lose a, a loved one, a, a parent, unexpectedly, and there wasn't enough life insurance, or someone who gets a, a chronic disease or a, a, a terminal illness, and there's not enough, there's no health insurance or improper health insurance or no disability insurance. These are just just heartbreaking scenarios that we hear about. They are terrible. So these obstacles of a plan, uh, don't ignore them. Don't think that you're immune to this situation. Right. And that's why when I hear the radio commercials <clears throat> of everyone who wants to do your financial planning, all they talk about is retirement. Well, surely that's one goal. But what you're talking about is far more important. 
It's the planning. It's the whole planning. It's going through life with people. You know, I'm very proud of the fact I still have my original client. Right. That's almost 60 years. Right. That That is just absolutely amazing. And that's because the service we render is a continu- continuous service. It's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Yeah. It doesn't just deal with how much money you have to have for retirement. Oh, $5,322.12. Well, you know, that's a good number, but that's not the whole point. And it changes, too. It changes all the time. Your health changes along the way. So many things change all the way. Right. We just talked about geopolitical events, yep. right? That that changes the outcome of things. And we talk about the insurance and death and disability ego, but it's a very fluid process and you've got to be aware. And, and that's part of the, the financial planning process is you're never fully in control. Nope. I said that mistakenly one time to a client. I said, well, it's good to know that you're in control. And he looks at me and goes, Stephen, we're never in control. That's right. <laughs> and it's true. But That's life. <laughs> aware, and that, it was a good education for me. I used the wrong word, but you are aware of the situation if something does pop up. Right. When the pandemic hit, you had the cash reserve in place. That's why we talk about the importance of cash reserve. All of these tools that you do to protect the overall financial plan, you put those contingencies in place so when they do rear its ugly head, you're okay. Yep. And that's the part of the comprehensive nature. I talked to a guy today who was uh, selling his home because his wife uh, developed, um, oh, shoot, uh, I can't think of the name of it. That's uh, the trembling disease. Okay. Uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Now, who would have expected that? Right. And so now they're, all their plans change. Got to sell the house. and Got to move around, cause more medical costs, et cetera, et cetera. So everything changes. Yep. That's what planning is about. Yep. So, well, that's it for another show, John. I'd like to thank you. Wishing you a early happy birthday. Happy birthday to Dad. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.